Pretty fun. Uh, we've a couple a couple weeks ago we commissioned Gary going back to Africa. We're commissioning Mandy. We've got people going to Vietnam. We have people uh, going to Africa again. Individuals were putting together serve trips for uh, Juarez. It, it it just continues to be a part of what we do around here at Rock Creek Church. And uh, this last week, for the last four days, uh, I, I am part of a, an organization that. Uh, gives high-level training to missionaries that are going overseas to some of the most dangerous places on earth. We um, are, are also an organization that uh, works the hostage negotiation if a, a missionary is taken. Uh, and so we have worked the, the free uh, hostage negotiation of over 115 uh, missionaries that have been taken. Um, and as I spent the time these last four days with these missionaries, it became so heavy on my heart and it was so perfect because I had already gotten my message ready. But what it hit me as, as I sat with these missionaries and, and used our level of expertise to, to teach them how to be safe and how to negotiate safety on their uh, serve opportunities is that they are taking the gospel message. That, that, that they're doing exactly what we just described. And it's no joke. It's, it's no uh, laughing matter. It's not a club. That's why Alex will say, hey, can we, can we at least clap like we mean it? Uh, can, we, can we come and pray? Can we bring our Bibles? Because what we do here on a Sunday morning sometimes is super happy. Uh, and sometimes it's a punch to the gut because there are people still today being killed on a regular basis, taken hostage in the name of Jesus. And so I thought a handful of months ago, we need to kind of hit a reset button. We need to re-examine why do we do what we do? What are we doing here on a Sunday morning? So what I want to do for the next two weeks is I want to talk to you about the gospel. I want to talk to you about uh, the gospel for the church. That is today. What does that mean for the church? And then next week, I want to talk about what does the gospel mean for you as an individual, just, just you uh, as a man or woman or student. So today we're talking about the gospel. Now, for a lot of you, that might not seem so out of the ordinary. You're like, well, we're at church. Of, of course, we're talking about the, about the gospel. It's, it's what we do. Uh, you might not think that it's crazy because if you go to a restaurant, you expect that you're going to be brought ice water. It's just kind of what you do. If you go to a movie, you expect that we're going to have popcorn and we're going to see a bunch of previews and, and then we're going to watch our movie and be annoyed by the people that sit next to us and eat loudly. How many of you are one of those people? You crinkle your wrappers and you eat loud. Are any of you willing to admit that's you? Thank you, John. Any of you despise those people? I sin every time I go to a movie. I just don't want anybody near me, okay? You go to a family reunion, you expect to hear the same stories over and over and over. You rehearse what you did when you were 12 and they bring up all your embarrassing moments. You hear these same stories, but you know that going in. And for us as the church, you might expect that if you go to church, you're gonna hear the gospel story, right? That's the expectation. That's what the church always was about, but not so fast. 
Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 28. We have the Great Commission. We have it right here. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're praying that Mandy's able to do. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The Great Commission. It's a commission to take the gospel, the good news. Sometimes we can think that the gospel is just Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again in three days. No, that's Jesus' story. The gospel is God's story, right? Are you with me so far? And so to know the gospel is the great commission to tell the story of God, obviously supremely highlighted with the death, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the hope that he brings. That's what our hope is. That, that's, that's what we carry around with us day in and day out as we go to work, as we interact with our neighbors, etc. However, as much as we should know this, a 2018 Barna research showed the following. Regular church-going individuals haven't been taught the Great Commission. 17% say they know what it says and they know what it means. Pause. 17% of Christians know what the Great Commission says and knows what it means. 25% say they know what it is, but they can't quite recall the exact meaning of it. 6% say they're not sure. And a daunting 51% say they have no idea. That's the church in America. Now, I'm, I'm happy to say... I think our numbers at Rock Creek Church are better. I just don't know how much better. But this is the church in America, and it might be you somewhere on this pie. You might say, well, I, I, I'm probably there. And this, this isn't to guilt you. This isn't to wave a finger at you. This is just to acknowledge this is where we are in the American church. And it's okay to identify that you're in one of those places, but it's not okay to stay there. Because it all hinges on the gospel. It all hinges on this book. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4, says this. It's the great Shema. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Whatever you do, don't forget. Continue to press in to this book. Continue to press in to God's story. And then we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have been given to you. The wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. 
verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize, this is the New Living Translation, so we often don't like this about church or about the scriptures, for they make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the good news. And it's a great story. It, I'm going to give it to you in parts of what this story is. You might ask yourself, could I sit down with a neighbor? Could I sit down with a family person? Could I sit down with an acquaintance or a coworker and explain some of this? In Jerusalem in AD 30, Jesus died on the cross. He was resurrected on the third day and he then ascended into heaven. Not only 50 days later, after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles, giving them power and purpose and a plan. Out of joy, out of the miraculous joy that was taking place from Jesus dying and, and being risen from the dead, the church begins to be born. It's empowered by the Spirit, and Peter gives his first sermon, and 3,000 people are saved. Why? Because they cannot get over the hope that they have finally found. Hearts are transformed, and in hearing and receiving and repenting, the young church is born and continues to expand. They walk in unity, and they garner praises. Out of joy, the gospel creates community. Peter and John then continue to spread the gospel, preaching the good news, giving the gospel at every chance that they possibly can, preaching and miracles, and the church grows by 5,000. In AD 31, Stephen gave a powerful sermon connecting the Old Testament to Jesus and rebuking the people for their hard, 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 hard hearts, concluding with, and you crucified him. Enraged, the people begin to stone Stephen, making him the very first Christian martyr. In A.D. 34, four short years after Jesus dies, the gospel continues to multiply through Philip's ministry. He preaches in Samaria and Caesarea. While this is all going on, uh, Saul, on the road to Damascus, meets the Lord and, and his heart is transformed. This man who persecuted countless Christians. This is ironic. It says in the Bible, as, as Stephen is dying, as these boulders are pelting his body and he is dying, and his prayer request is, don't hold these people's sins against them for what they're doing to me. Sound familiar? And as he's doing that, the end of the chapter says, and Saul stood by and watched in approval. And yet the gospel grabs Saul. And Saul becomes Paul. And after this conversion, the gospel continues to spread through the ministries of Paul and Peter. And God gives Peter a vision and then uses him to reach the Gentiles. Something that we read about, we know it today, but in the day it would seem absolutely absurd. 
In AD 44, King Herod Agrippa I executes James and has Peter arrested yet again, thrown into prison. But holy cow, you know what happens? An angel comes and frees Peter, leading him out of prison, and he continues to preach. The believers throughout the region are scattered because of persecution. There is unthinkable pain and anguish watching women and children tortured in game, tied in, in, in an atrium, outdoor atrium, tied to a pole, and, and lions who were refused to eat for weeks on end are then released, and these women and children staked to a pole are eaten alive. And that's the PG version. And then the center of operations for Christianity goes from Jerusalem to Antioch, where many teachers and preachers gather together and then are released. And around AD 48, Paul and Barnabas were then to call out on, to go on their very first missionary journey. And many Jews and Gentiles believed after hearing the word, the gospel, the story of God preached while others drove Paul and Barnabas out of their cities. We could go on and on and on. This book is nuts. The stories that are compiled in here, the truths, the love, the evil, the anger. But all throughout, there is a good news. There is the gospel. And if we were to go on, you would see that you and I are a part of this incredible family. We might be a reluctant part of this family, but this is our story. This is our family heritage. These are our aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and grandparents that went before us. And you will see that we are part of this incredible great commission, commissioned with taking the Gospels, as Mandy is doing, and bringing them to the people who don't know, with the power that descended on the Apostles. And it's this message of hope, this message of peace, if you would, this message of identity, uh, of worth, that changes everything. It, it turns worlds upside down. It captures nations. And guess what? We need to keep hearing it again and again and again and again, over and over and over. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. But I serve a great God who's phenomenal at what he does. He's a rescuer. He battles for us. He provides for us. He watches over us while we are still yet sinners. He rescues, and you, my friends, need rescuing. You say, well, I've already given my life to Jesus. My response is, perfect, you still need rescuing. Well, what do I need rescuing from? Well, you're going to have a bad day sometime coming up. You might be having a bad day today. You might be faced with a crisis tomorrow. You need rescuing from that. They need rescuing. <laughs> Whatever we are doing in children's ministry to our kids, Josh, make sure we're not going to get a lawsuit. 
I'm just kidding. They're great. I love hearing them. By the way, time out. That's why we need another building because they need a place to run around and be kids and grow in faith and we need to not hear them. When you're rescued, when Jesus rescues you, you find life. But shortly after that, when life hits you, you need help. See how this is all connected? And you do need help. And then you're rescued. Because he helps you over and over and over. This is the gospel message. This is the story of God. And it changes everything. And Sundays primarily are that reminder. It's why it's important to come to church. It's why it's, it's, not, uh, it's not good enough to lay in your bed and, and turn on a preacher. Because you need to come and be a part of this. Yeah, I've heard, I've been here since about 8.30 and I have heard probably a dozen of you talk about your heartaches. Talk about your struggles. And that's only the ones who are sharing it with me. You need the gospel. Because as you're sharing, I'm right there with you. I've got my own list. Alex mentioned yesterday, 50 things went wrong. And there's, it's easy to slip into depression. It's easy to slip into life is super hard. It's easy to slip into uh, feeling defeated. Anybody understand this? And so Sundays are that reminder. Now don't get me wrong. Practical, feel good, cleverly named sermon series, I love them. We're going to be doing one starting in July. It's not so heart focused. It's called Dinosaurs and Robots, the Epic Adventure. That is a strong contrast compared to how the fruits of the Spirit can change your life. I get it. Dinosaurs and Robots are super fun though. And so we're going to look at that. But I want you to hear me say this loud and clear from my heart to your heart. From the moment you became a Christian, from the moment you decided, yes, Lord, until your last breath on this planet, you will need to hear the gospel over and over. This is church. You are going to be reminded, you are going to need to be reminded of what Christ has done for you. And that's what we do. Why? Because you are going to look around for the rest of your life and you're going to evaluate yourself against super Christians. People that look like they just have it all together. People that, that look like they have every single verse memorized, they know how to pray, they, they go on every mission trip, they're leading life groups, they're elder, you're going to compare yourself to those people who on the surface appear to be more passionate to God than you are. And you'll compare. So you need to hear the gospel. You're going to have your own struggles in the realm of morality and sexuality financially, relationally, politically. 
and you're, you're going to be confused and you're going to make poor decisions and your kids are going to make poor decisions and you're going to be at a crossroads where you've got to make some decisions. You need the gospel. You're going to have your own struggles in your own life up here in your mind, unable to get a hold of your thoughts and your emotions and mental illness, and you're going to struggle with that. You need to be reminded of the gospel, of God's story. You're going to hit a rough patch in your marriage. We all do. I'm thankful that every year gets longer because when Sandy and I were married for probably only 12 years, she would have this saying like, we've been married for 12 years, like two of them have been awesome. <laughs> I love that now because that number's growing. We all hit rough patches in our marriages. Sometimes they're severe uh, on the brink of everything being crumbled before our eyes and others we just got to tinker on some things and make some adjustments, but we're all going to face those. You might be at your wits end with your kids and you're, you're so exhausted you're going to want to die and you don't know how to keep going being a good parent. Well, you need the gospel story. You might find yourself depressed or suicidal or being tempted to have an affair, or intentionally or unintentionally distancing yourself from the ones that you love. You need the gospel. You need God's story from start to finish. And you're going to be reminded. You're going to have struggles at times in your pursuit of God. Why are they so strong one moment where I just want nothing but God, and then the next moment I can't read, I can't pray, I don't even have a desire to do those things. And I've got to figure out somewhere in that gulf, how do I do this? Well, if you read the stories, if you read the scriptures, if you read God's story, you'll find you're in great company with a lot of great people who live the exact same way as you. So week in and week out, what we do here at Rock Creek Church is in some way so ridiculously simple. If this is your first Sunday, you've actually, I hope, grabbed a great first Sunday because you're, you're hearing our heart for what we do here and why we do it. What we do here is actually quite simple. All we try to do is to just give you the gospel every weekend. We just try and give you God's story every single weekend. Why? Because you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Your friends, your family members, your coworkers, the, your neighbors, strangers you meet, they need Jesus. I don't want to oversimplify it. I, 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 in fact, I want to overamplify it. You need Jesus. You're in big trouble without him. So you need him and he can help over and over and over, sermon after sermon, song after song. It just has the same message. God's big, you're little. You're a really good sinner. Some of you gold star. 
And God's a really great Savior. Gold star. God exists and so does heaven. Without Him, you're going to hell. Without that saving relationship that God offers through Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. With Him, you spend eternity being rescued over and over. And you get to enjoy that. And all of your issues are remedied in a relationship with Him. Not a self-help book. Not changing behavior. Sometimes I find myself feeling like a broken record and then God reminds me, you, this is the record. You know, I don't know how long all of you have been here. As the church continues to grow, I lose track of dates. Next, at the end of next month, our family will have been here for four years. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I really only have one sermon. Honestly, I, I can go at it from different angles, from parenting or substance abuse or mental illness or, or strengthening marriage or, or evangelism or whatever. You know what I always end with, though? You need Jesus. Uh, I really only have one sermon, and I have to figure out all week long, how do I keep it creative before I tell people they need Jesus again? And that's kind of tongue-in-cheek funny, but it's also just me being honest with you. Because I'll just, I'll throw in a story here and there of where I blew it and learn from that and, and then use some scripture, but it's really one story. And it's the one story because it's the one story you have to have. Because I can't speak about marriage if we don't have the platform of Jesus. I can't speak about relationships or about parenting without Jesus. I can't preach about forgiveness and, and offering grace and mercy without the story of God all throughout the scriptures. I, I can't do that. It's not possible because without the gospel, how can we discuss painful topics? And you have painful topics. Some of you right now have painful topics. And my heart breaks for you. I, I, I wish I could flip a switch and, and take all of the pain on myself. I tell Sandy, my bride, that all the time as she goes 24 hours a day in pain. I wish so much I could take her pain. And the same is true for you, but I can't take your pain. I can't take your struggles but God can. You want to know the platform that I can speak into your life? It's not because I'm educated. It's not because I have all the answers. It's not because I'm anything special. Trust me, I'm not. Here's why I can speak into your life. Because it's the originating love of God made visible in the coming life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can talk about suffering without a view of that in place. We can't talk about ecclesiology 
without the gospels in our face. We, we can't talk about how a church properly functions or about how you're to live life in the midst of everyday circumstances without, without a platform of the gospel. We need to hear the gospel, the story of God, week in and week out, over and over and over and over. Because without proper grounding in the gospel story, you and I are apt to drift away and without realizing it, find ourselves with pretty decent lives that begin to manipulate morality and theology. And it happens in a blink of an eye. This describes my heart of what my fear is. As I was writing the sermon a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking about the gospel, and I was thinking about where we live here in Boulder County, if we're not grounded on the scriptures, we can find ourselves with really decent, even really good-looking lives. But then we begin to manipulate our viewpoint, our worldview, and even our theology, and we're seeing it every day under the guise of being politically correct and loving. And I don't want that for you. I want you to know your Bible. I want you to know what the words say. I want to know how it corrects you. I want, to know how it, uh, I want you to know how it encourages you and supports you. You see, the gospel is found in these pages. God's story is found in these pages. It's the Bible. And the outside world thinks we know this story. You go do street evangelism as we did uh, with a bunch of students a couple weeks ago. Made bologna, nasty bologna sandwiches. But if you don't have anything, bologna's awesome. Uh, quite frankly, I don't like bologna. I don't even know why I'm telling you that. But we took these bologna sandwiches and, and we shared love and prayer with people on the street throughout Boulder. They expect if we come with the banner of Jesus that we know what this says. And we should. But recent studies show 40% of Christians read their Bible one or two times a month. And I don't even know how long that is. In 2016, Barna Research found that 12% of believers thought that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> if you still do, don't raise your hand. Come to me and say, can you clarify the whole the whole Noah thing. I'll clarify for the 50% of Christians thought, 50% of high school seniors thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. They're not. They're not even there. And a considerable amount of individuals that claim to be Christians thought that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. It wasn't. It was Jesus. You can read about it. It's a really, really, really long sermon. And some of you, as you look at these statistics, we need more cowbell, don't we? Yes. As we look at these statistics, we don't know whether to laugh or to cry. It's okay. 
I laughed at all these. And then I was bothered by them. This isn't a problem, friends. This is our problem. Christians who lack biblical knowledge are the products of churches that marginalize biblical knowledge. Let me say that again. Christians who lack biblical knowledge are the products of churches that marginalize biblical knowledge. Bible teaching historically only accounts for a fraction of the time that we have together. Replaced by funny sketches and more music and fillers. Because there's this idea that people can't handle or sit too long. Their minds start drifting and they have ADD and so we've got to keep it short and sweet. And the move to small group ministries sweeping through the churches in North America offers opportunities for, for, for some really good fellowship, but they often don't get beyond the surface level of building relationships and actually get into the word of God that brings transformation. I want you to know this is not who we are as Rock Creek Church. This is not the vision and the direction that the pastors and the elders have heard and sensed from the mouth of God on who we are to be and what we are to do. And so there's some lines being drawn in the sand with discipleship strategy and, and what we do and why we do it and how we do it. Because we will not water down the messages in an attempt to attract the masses. We will attract the masses through life transformation. Amen. That's who we are. That's what we will do. Because here at Rock Creek Church, we're not after conformity. We're not, we're not after being cool. We are certainly not after being politically correct or trying to avoid stepping on toes. We're after transformation. See, this is why transformation is so important because any man and any woman on their own can conform. You can do that on your own strength. You can conform. But only the Holy Spirit of God can transform. Only this story that changes everything can transform a life. Why is that important? Because for the person who tries and tries and tries to modify behavior isn't free. And the Bible says that we have been freed from the dominion of darkness. And we have been brought into the kingdom and the light of the Son whom He loves. The gospel brings freedom to, yes, even the everyday moments. And we want you to experience regular freedom. It's the message of the church. It's the message of Rock Creek Church. Great things are happening here. You might not know all of them, and we're working really hard to figure out how do we share more of these stories because they shouldn't only be known to us.
Reconciliation relationally is happening. Healing of the heart is happening. Healing physically is happening. The rescue and the healing of marriages is happening. Intimacy with God is being found. Mission trips are being planned and put into motion. More life groups, more new people finding life in Jesus through Rock Creek Church. But it's not because of me. It's not because of Alex or the team. It's not because of the elders. It is because God, through the gospel message, is changing us. It's the good news of these pages. And so may our foundation always everywhere we look be grounded on the platform of the biblical narrative may it always be grounded on the gospel and the gospel alone and from there let's continue to build let's continue to reach let's continue to grow and let's go with it to all around the world but as we go all around the world, as I told these young missionaries that we trained this past week, as you go, bring this with you. You bring the gospel message with you, the most important thing you could bring. And if there's any other inspiration, any other motivation for going and doing, it will fall on rocky soil. And the foundation won't hold. But the gospel, the gospel can handle all of it. So here's my encouragement is go find your Bible. Read it today. Find your Bible and read it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Read your Bible. Know what this story says. Know what this story says, not just for you, but what it says to those around you. And when you do, when you decide you're going to take this seriously and be the agent of change that God wants to use, he is going to place you in positions that are going to knock your socks off. You're going to have conversations and interactions with people that are so far and beyond you. And then he's going to use you to bring hope to somebody. That's our God. Let's pray together. Would you please stand? So, Father, we, we do. We recognize the gospel for the church. The need for the gospel story. Your story, God. From creation to today. It continues. Your words continue to give us guidance. Your word continues to give us direction. Your words continue to give us hope and peace in the midst of, of very frightening moments of life. And so may our church, may Rock Creek Church, may all churches who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ never divert, never sway, never water down, never tiptoe around the words and the stories and the truths that we read. And may we as your followers forever praise your name in every way that we know how. 
it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we have read the scriptures, that we have talked of your stories, that we have given direction under your authority, under your love. We pray in that name.